Welcome to the Ready to Buy podcast. The podcast for busy young professionals like you to help get yourself and keep yourself ready to buy your dream home. Series one is for all of you looking to buy your first home. And whether that's next week, next month, or even next year, we'll walk you through the process and help you build your knowledge, your understanding, and your confidence really help ensure that you have a plan in place and that you're ready to buy when you want to be. The Ready to Buy podcast is brought to you by me, Mark Humphrey of MHC Mortgage and Protection Limited. And with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, we help and support people like you buy their homes on a daily basis. We are passionate about making the process simple, easy, hassle and stress-free for all of our clients and we'll be sharing our knowledge, experience and loads of useful hints and tips throughout the series. We'd love you to get in touch if you'd like some help with your own situation and you can find us at mhcmortgages.co.uk. And to make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe using any podcast app out there, including of course Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Amazon. Welcome to today's episode, New Home Found, Let's Get the Process Started. So we've talked over the past few episodes, haven't we, initially about getting the plan in place, about making yourself as presentable as possible, talked about your credit file, your credit score, and obtaining your agreement in principle before going out and viewing your properties. We spoke about the process of going out and viewing properties, and we spoke with Andy from Robinson Michael and Jackson Estate Agents last time with some hints and tips. And so you've put your offer forward, you've negotiated with the agent and with the seller, and you've had your offer accepted. So that really does feel big at that stage, doesn't it? And so what is next? Two main things that we've now got to think about. The mortgage, as you might imagine, and the legal work, or other name for that is the conveyancing. And so in terms of timeframes, the mortgage on average takes two or three weeks to get sorted. So it's relatively quick in that process. Whereas you heard from Andy last time that the average time from start to finish, from when you've had your offer accepted to when you pick your keys up and you complete and you're now the proud new owner of your new home, it's usually on average about three to four months. And it is generally that legal work, that conveyancing that takes a bit of time. Now, we're going to focus on that next episode. So this episode, we are going to talk about the mortgage and the mortgage application and what goes with that. We've spoken before about the fact that we've got your agreement in principle and you do not have to proceed with that lender. So whether you'd gone directly to your bank or you'd organized it yourself or you'd organized through a mortgage broker, you don't have to return to that lender if they're not the most appropriate or are not offering the most competitive rate available to you. It's really important to refresh and update your options at that stage. And so with that in mind, when we go and look at your options again, we haven't really looked into too much detail about the sort of nitty gritty of a mortgage and really explained in a bit more detail about mortgages and how they work. And now's a really good time to talk you through that. 
Now, as a first-time buyer, it's highly likely that you're going to be taking a repayment mortgage, otherwise known as a capital and interest mortgage. And it works very similarly. If you've ever had a personal loan, albeit it's far bigger than a personal loan that you'll have had, in that you have your set monthly mortgage payment, you pay it each month, a portion of it is going to the bank, disappears off as interest, and the remaining amount is reducing the capital. So it's reducing the balance to a point in the future where you will pay the mortgage off. So it would be a repayment mortgage or a capital and interest mortgage. And the mortgage term is something that's worth talking through as well. The term is essentially the duration that you're going to have the mortgage over. And naturally, as you can imagine, the longer the mortgage term, the lower your monthly payments are going to be and the shorter the mortgage term because you're condensing the repayment of that mortgage into a shorter period of time, the monthly payments will be higher. So that will be a factor in setting that to determine what your monthly payments will be. Now, the mortgage term we'll find can be up to 40 years nowadays. That's the longest term that any lender currently will offer. The norm is probably nearer 35, but there's no set expectation. And so that's something that we have to arrive at that suits your situation. And depending on your age, for example, we may have to look at a shorter term. So as a first-time buyer, appreciate you're not necessarily in your 20s. You could be in your 30s, in your 40s. And most lenders will allow a mortgage up to the age of 70, so just slightly past the state retirement age, probably not an awful lot by the time you get there, but they will allow a mortgage term up to the age of 70 without any real pension provisions in place because it's feasible that you could work to that age. We now see a number of lenders that will offer a mortgage term up to the age of 75. For example, if you have a regular contribution into a pension and your occupation is a non-physically demanding job where it could be feasible, for example, to do a desk job up to 75. Not that you'd probably want to, <laughs> but uh, there are options there. And as we've said many times before, and I'm sure we'll say it again, Every lender looks at your situation through an ever slightly different lens and have their own criteria. And so the type of rate is a really important consideration as well. And I'm sure you've heard lots of things about mortgages, fixed rates, tracker rates, variable rates, those types of things. And to explain it, whilst your mortgage term might be over 25, 30, 35 years, you'll have an initial period with a lender on a special rate, which could be a fixed rate, as it sounds your payments would be fixed for a certain period of time. And the most common periods of time that we see with fixed rates are for two years, for three years, or for five years. Now, with a fixed rate, it will give you the peace of mind of knowing exactly what your monthly payments are going to be for a set period of time. So it's particularly common with first-time buyers where you're not used to budgeting to select a fixed rate to help with the budgeting and give you that real certainty over what your monthly outgoings are going to be. In terms of how long that fixed rate might be over, for two years, three years, or five years, will really depend on your plans, on your situation. For example, if you're relatively new in a relationship or if you're moving in with a partner, you've both been living at home, not lived together before, it might be wise to look at a shorter term initially just whilst you make that adjustment rather than committing yourself for a longer period such as five years, which could be quite a long time if things don't work out. 
We've talked about the plus size of a fixed rate, but it's worth bearing in mind from both sides. With a fixed rate, for example, if you choose to fix it over five years, you will be tied into that lender for those five years. So if you were to come away for any reason, if your circumstances changed, you may have to pay a penalty to come away from them. So it's really important to look at all options and really consider what your situation is and what might suit you best. We've spoken about fixed rates there, but there are a number of other rates available. Tracker rates or variable rates or discounted rates are all a variation of variable rates, so can go up or down. Tracker rate, for example, is linked to the Bank of England base rate and would be set at a certain differential, usually above the base rate. If the Bank of England decides to put the base rate up, your rate goes up accordingly. If it goes down, your rate goes down accordingly. But of course, that means that your monthly payments could change. And if you're trying to budget, particularly if you're quite close to your budget, you may not feel comfortable with a tracker rate or a variable rate where rates could mean that your monthly payments could vary from time to time. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an overview as to the types of mortgages. And again, that is something that your mortgage broker will discuss, will have already understood your situation and will really tailor the advice and the product to your situation. As we said, everybody's situation is different. So yours will be different from your friends, from your brothers, sisters, etc. So one of the first things that I would suggest that once you've had your offer accepted on a property, you go to your mortgage broker or you go to your bank, you're going to need to provide them with the property details. The great thing now is that we have Rightmove, we have the estate agent's websites where you can literally just ping a link across to them and there's an awful lot of detail about it. Usually the property address and all the different bits of information about the property, what type of property, how many bedrooms, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a really good place to start. Depending on how long it's been since when you got your agreement in principle, when you provided your documentation before, it's highly likely that you may need to provide some updated documentation. So things like payslips, for example, most of us get those each month. So if a couple of months have elapsed, then it's likely you'll have to provide your latest couple of payslips. Same with bank statements, get them as up to date as possible and you'll be asked for those. And you'll be asked for your proof of deposit as well, which you probably won't have provided up until this point. As we said before, it can be from different sources. So most common two tend to be either gifts from immediate family members, parents, for example, or savings. And it can be a combination of those. And so it's just having your documentation together to provide to your broker or to the bank directly just to prove where the money's come from. That's a really important one that it's not just your broker asking for this. It's not just your lender Within financial services, there is an obligation really to understand where any large amounts of money have come from and just make sure that they're from legitimate sources and nothing illegal, of course. If it's your savings, providing savings account statements will suffice. Generally speaking, if we go back six months on your savings, will tend to be enough for most. There tends to be an element of reasonability and feasibility with proof of deposits. So you might find that you're required to go back a bit further than the six months. It really depends. So to give you an example, if you're earning £25,000 a year and you're currently renting and you haven't got much spare money 
and yet you've got a deposit of £50,000, it's not unreasonable to think, how have you managed to save that? Can we go back a bit further? Whereas if you're earning £100,000 and you've got a deposit of £20,000, you can see how that would be far easier and make sense that you could have saved that in a relatively short period of time. If it's from a gift or if it's from inheritance, again, it could just be a, a letter confirming that it's a non-refundable gift or some documentation relating to your inheritance. So court papers, solicitor papers, possibly as well just showing the funds arriving in your account if they are already there. All of these things are something that your broker will help you out with and explain exactly what they need. So don't worry too much. So once we provided all of this information, at that point, your options can be updated. If you're using a broker, for example, they'll be able to go back to the market, make sure that we've got the most appropriate lender for you, make sure that we've got the best rate available, the most competitive rates available for you. At that point, they'll provide you with an illustration again. They'll talk you through those and really ensure that they answer any questions that you've got and that you fully understand what it is and what we're proceeding with. And once you're happy with this, this is the point that now we've got all of your documentation, we know how you'd like to proceed, and we can start to organise that mortgage application. Definitely not a silly question. Each episode, we like to answer a question that I might have been asked by a client this week, because something that we don't know, no matter how big or small, particularly when it comes to money, mortgages and finance, will cause unnecessary stress. So I say to all of my clients, there really genuinely are no silly questions. And so the question this week I've been asked, my friend recently bought her first home and she took a five-year fixed rate. She has suggested that that will be the best for me. Is she right? Unfortunately, we do hear this quite a lot. And I'd really emphasise that none of our situations are the same, even if they appear to be very similar. So it's so important to make decisions based on your circumstances and your own options. So my suggestion would be ignore her advice, as well-meaning as it is, weigh up your own options, and using a mortgage broker, for example, will help you understand what is most suitable for you and not necessarily is most suitable for your friend. So if you have a question you'd like to ask, anything at all, please get in touch through my LinkedIn page, I'm Mark Humphrey, or via the MHC Mortgages page on Facebook. Not only will I come back to you nice and quickly with an answer, but I promise to try and share your question in future episodes, because you can be sure if you're thinking that question, there'll be plenty of other people thinking exactly the same questions. Now, there are a couple of things that I need to tell you as we're talking money and mortgages. It's important to seek advice for your own individual circumstances, okay? And whilst it might seem really obvious, a mortgage is a loan secured on your home, and your home may be repossessed if you don't keep up your mortgage payments. So in other words, if you have a mortgage or when you get a mortgage, pay it on time, you'll be fine.
And so we're now ready to proceed with an application with our chosen lender. We've got all your documents. We've got all the information. The one thing we've possibly not talked about too much up to now is choosing your solicitor. And that's something we'll cover in a bit more depth next time. We touched on it in the previous episode when we spoke with Andy at Robinson Michael Jackson and suggested that when choosing a solicitor, it should be someone that comes recommended because they are really crucial to the smooth running of the process. So that's something that either comes recommended by the broker or possibly by the selling agent. So mortgage lenders will look at three things before they approve our application. Firstly, they'll look at all of the information that we provide them about you. They'll look at all of the documentation that we provide. So your payslips, your bank statements, proof of deposit, possibly anything else that they request. And they will check the property out. And so they'll do this via a valuation or a survey. So again, often hear those terms, same thing, different terminology. So a valuation report, a survey report, it's the same thing. Now, lenders, as you can imagine, vary in their service levels and process. And of course, service levels are something that can be up and down as business volumes change. Most lenders will review your documents and information that we provide them within a week or so. So it's a relatively quick turnaround. We might find they request additional information after that, of course, by which case we can then provide it. Now, with the valuation itself, some lenders will instruct the valuation from the outset. So as soon as the application gets submitted to them, they will instruct the survey. What that actually means is they don't have their own surveyors, most of them. There are a number of surveyor firms across the country which they will send a request out to and they will then organise to get in touch with the estate agent and book a time to go and complete the survey. You'll find some lenders want to make sure that they've approved the application first. So they may review your information, review your documentation and once approved, then instruct the valuation. The lenders themselves, they will instruct a basic valuation and many nowadays will provide that free of charge, whereas there are still a few in the marketplace that may charge for this, anything up to usually sort of two or three hundred pounds. This survey is for the lender's purposes. It's to help them ascertain that the property is worth however much you're buying it for and also that it's in reasonable condition. So any obvious defects that may cause a problem with the property in the short term or slightly longer term will get reported back to the lender. Because it's for their purposes, they won't necessarily share it with you. It may be something that evaluation is done, you don't see anything and don't even see the results of it. And also there are different types of survey that they may do. So whilst it is a basic valuation, we're seeing more and more utilization of technology now. So the different types, they may send a survey around to do a physical inspection of the property. So an actual in-person survey where they book a time, they go into the property and have a look around. It doesn't tend to be a particularly long inspection. It doesn't tend to, to be particularly detailed, as we've said. Other alternatives, a drive-by valuation is something that we hear about from time to time, whereby a surveyor may pass the property, may check from the outside, from the exterior, that it's in reasonable condition, and probably in the background, looking at the data and satisfying themselves that it's worth what you're buying it for, and would then provide a report on that basis. 
We also see desktop valuations and automated valuations where more reliance is placed on the technology and the data out there where they don't actually physically visit a property itself. You tend to find with those types of valuations, it will be more where there's a, a larger deposit. So historically, if there was more than, a, say, a 25% deposit put down, you're more likely to get those. But we're seeing it more and more as lenders try and use the data and the technology that they've got and streamline the process, essentially. Now, on the topic of valuations, because that's not for your purposes and it's not a particularly detailed report, you have the option of whether you might like to get something more detailed for your own peace of mind. So it's entirely your choice on this. And there's never any right or wrong answer, I would say, because we've all got different appetites for risk. Some people are quite gung-ho and let's see how we get on. Some are very cautious and want to have that additional peace of mind to help them sleep at night. And that's absolutely fine. And so you might find, depending on the age and the condition of the property, you might decide to upgrade to the next level above the basic valuation, which is a home buyer's report. So the surveyor would visit the property. They would provide a detailed report. It's usually on a traffic light system where they would comment on all aspects of the property. A green light means, yep, everything fine. An orange might mean it's okay, it's passable now, but you might need to replace in the next two or three years. For example, the fascias and guttering appear okay, a little bit tired, might need replacing in two or three years. And red would mean caution, you might want to get this checked out. You might want to get a specialist report into that particular area of the property, for example, a specialist drains report or something of that nature. But what it really does, it allows you to go in with your eyes wide open. So there shouldn't be any surprises six months down the line. And for the sake of a few hundred pounds, I would suggest a home buyer's report is probably looking at somewhere between about four and six hundred pounds. Depends on the purchase price of the property, but four to five to possibly up to £600 would give you that peace of mind. There is a more detailed survey if you really had concerns or were really cautious about the condition of the property and a building survey, and that would tend to be around about the £1,000 mark, possibly a little bit more, again, depending on the area and depending on the, the value of the property. That doesn't tend to form part of the mortgage process, so that would be something that you do off your own bat and it's something, certainly at MHC Mortgages, we work with a national surveyor firm and we can ask them to provide a quote for those if necessary. So coming back to our basic valuation, once that's back with the mortgage lender, once they've reviewed and approved your information and your documentation, they're going to issue the mortgage offer. Now, the mortgage offer is a huge milestone and definitely one that's worth celebrating and breathing a big sigh of relief sometimes because it means that everything is approved from their perspective. And the next part that they expect is a note from your solicitor, albeit probably in a few weeks' time, to request the funds from them, to release the funds to complete your purchase. The mortgage offer will be sent to you. It will be sent to your mortgage broker if you're using one, and it will be sent to your solicitor. So you'll all have a copy. You generally don't need to sign these. It's generally accepted that if you exchange contracts and complete on the purchase, that is your sort of acceptance of the mortgage offer. So rarely anything to sign with the mortgage offer. These tend to be valid, depending on the lender, for anything between three and six months. 
six months tends to be the norm, I would say, at the moment. And so that gives you quite a bit of time. As we said, short of things getting delayed significantly, we've said on average three, possibly up to four months for a fairly straightforward purchase. But even if things did get delayed and we started to get towards the end of this period, we can request an extension from the mortgage lender to extend the mortgage offer for a a further period of time. You may well find at that stage you have to provide updated payslips and bank statements. And it sort of comes back to what we were saying before, actually, in that it's always wise, don't take any more credit out between application and completion of your mortgage. Potentially, if they rescore you, if they pull your information from your credit file again, that could have an adverse impact. So as long as nothing has changed, that will be absolutely fine. And so in summary, we said the two main things to get sorted. So once you've had your mortgage offer accepted, you're going to need to organize the mortgage, which includes the survey or valuation, and you're going to get the legal work done, uh, which we'll talk about next time. You'll provide your updated documents. So as we've spoke about way, way back in episode two, make sure you have everything ready into hand so you can provide those. We're going to update your research and your options and really narrow down exactly what we're looking to proceed on, including the types of rates, the term of the mortgage and all of that good stuff. And we're going to get your application across to the lender and The expectation with that is that we will have your mortgage offer within two or three weeks. The mortgage offer, as we said, it's a huge milestone. It means it's there, it's waiting, and we're getting ever closer. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode and found it helpful. We'd love you to join us next time when we'll be explaining the legal work involved in buying your new home. In the meantime, you can help us reach and help many, many more people like yourself by leaving a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcast and by sharing the podcast on your social media channels. So until next time, take care.